This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, I am joined by Dr. Helena Vissing. She is a licensed psychologist certified in perinatal mental health in private practice in California, and she practices trauma-informed somatic psychotherapy as a somatic experiencing practitioner. She is experienced as adjunct faculty on the training committee of maternal mental health now, where she provides consultations and trainings of providers. Helena has written a book on her biopsychosocial model for the treatment of trauma in the perinatal period, published with Rutledge, titled Somatic Maternal Healing, Psychodynamic and Somatic Trauma Treatment for Perinatal Mental Health. And we are going to get into that book and this treatment modality today. I think it's so important, the work that she's doing and the book that she has put out. There is the need for this type of therapeutic modality to be accessible to people, to be available to people, not only for treatment, but for providers to get training and understanding on how this type of healing modality can really, really support people who need it. She's gonna talk to us a little bit about what psychodynamic means and what uh, somatic means and how the treatment of trauma and regulating of the nervous system can really, really impact people in the perinatal period. I'm excited to bring you this episode. So let's welcome Dr. Helena Vissing. Welcome, Dr. Vissing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I know you have been working really, really hard on this book, and I think it is such a beautiful addition to the work in the perinatal world and taking on what I think, from my perspective anyways, a topic area and a subject that needs to be addressed more fully in a perinatal context. And so you're I think filling a really big gap in a resource for both providers and, you know, people who are looking for ways to heal. 
so yeah, I'd love to hear, we're going to hear more about your book and the work that you're doing. And I'm um, just, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a, of course, a long process of writing a book is a big thing, but I do think that, you know, it's been a couple of years since this uh, book idea came to me, but I also think that, you know, this book is coming as part of these changes we're seeing in our field. Mm -hmm. I see it both within kind of the professional communities, which where there's much more interest and desire to go into these topics. And I also see it among like mothers and parents and activists mm -hmm. and peer support, the activism communities around mm -hmm. perinatal mental health. There's just this hunger for more and better and more holistic approaches to healing at where certainly the nervous system and the somatic approaches come in. So I see myself right. also as part of that collective change happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, the perinatal period is so, I think in terms of mental health, unless you have a, like a physical illness that you're dealing with, it's one of those times where the body and what's going on with the body is so, it's part of what is happening. It's not just, you know, quote unquote, the mental health as if we're sort of cutting our heads off from the rest of our body. The whole body is involved because you're, literally growing a person or trying to or birthing and how could it not be a whole systems kind of perspective to take for healing. Yeah, definitely. And and the perinatal period, I think is really at this time we're in and, and obviously I'm talking from my cultural place in the world. It's also a time we just really see the clash between biology and culture. Mm. We're mm -hmm, really confronted mm -hmm. with ourselves as like animals and like the biology and then yeah. culture. And it's through that those bodily changes and nervous system changes. And so our kind of our mind, the psychology, and then our body, the way that they are so intertwined becomes so clear in the perinatal period. And within that, the, the bigger cultural changes. And I think we're having more of these conversations about that, as we say, the biopsychosocial or the holistic conversations around it. And that's been one of my big focus points for my book is that I wanted to not just develop a somatic treatment model or psychodynamic and somatic, I wanted to build a biopsychosocial framework for implementing that. So a framework where you're really looking at all the newest research and insights and theories from all the different paradigms. So the biomedical fields, mm -hmm. the fields of sociology and psychosocial studies, and then also psychology and how those different fields can really inform each other, challenge each other. Mm -hmm. So that's also a kind of the overall of my project. And then specifically for the te techniques if you will, or the clinical approach. It is a somatic and psychodynamic approach. And somatic here, I mean, there are lots of different somatic modalities, right? We also mm -hmm. call them yeah. bottom-up modalities. Mm. And I mean, basically what that means is that it's modalities that are really targeting nervous system regulation. There are many ways of doing that. There are lots of great modalities. I'm trained in somatic experiencing which is one approach. We're also seeing some of the other somatic approaches or bottom-up approaches being developed for the perinatal population. Mm -hmm. I happen to be training in this one that I'm very happy to use and, and I find it very useful for the perinatal population, especially when it's integrated with other, other things like psychodynamic talk therapy. So it's all about these integrations, right? It's all about how when we combine them, then they can really mm -hmm. stimulate each other and we can really bring out the best in the somatic when we mm -hmm. also use 
psychoanalytic tools for understanding the psychology and vice versa. It's a very integrative model in that way. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, some of the fundamentals of what is a somatic experiencing type of therapy, what happens in that type of therapy for folks to help understand a little bit about what you're talking about in the book. Yeah. So somatic therapy or somatic psychology, sometimes it's also, we also use the term body psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. They're often used interchangeably, but the somatic modalities or body psychotherapies are about really actively looking at and addressing targeting nervous system regulation and the bodily aspects of life and what comes up in any therapeutic relationship. So what that means is also that it's often very experiential and somatic experiencing Mm -hmm. is certainly is. So experiential means that it is working about with what's happening in the moment. So I think if you aren't familiar with it, like imagine like also what you do in a, say you go into a dance class or a movement class, right? Or you're going to a meditation class or things like that, where you're kind of actively being led in the moment through something. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, the somatic experiencing is about that, is about supporting someone as they're going through their experiences in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then there are like, enormous amounts of different techniques and exercises and tools and things you can do for that. And it's all about supporting the person in their own self-regulation in mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. So you kind of practice that in the moment. So um, you're guiding them. You're not necessarily doing like physical movements for them. Yeah. So it's about guiding, although mm-hmm. you can also do guided movement. One example of exercises you can do, there's also within somatic experiencing and other body psychotherapies, you can also use touch therapeutically. At the moment, I'm not doing that. That's something that requires extensive extra training, but there are lots of body psychotherapists out there who mm-hmm. have also people who are mental health professionals gotten extra training to use that specifically. So that's like a kind of a sub-specialization mm-hmm. there where you can use touch. Uh, that's obviously something that body workers also mm-hmm. use. There's mm-hmm. lots. So this is what I also love about the somatic field is that it's very interdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. So we, and we need that. I mean, us like mental health professionals, we need to be working with other professionals. The perinatal period is really where we need to have like that whole interdisciplinary team, right? Right. Which is why it's so great get to go to do trainings, and we get to meet with you know the lactation consultants, the home Mm -hmm. visitors, Mm -hmm. the peer support facilitators, the activists, the nurse practitioners. Mm -hmm. I mean, you these are just a little list of people. There are so many different professions because Mm -hmm. there are so many people working with the family. Yeah. Right. So the somatic is in a way can feel a bit like, oh, well, what is it? And it's a lot of things because it depends on who's using it and in what context. Sure. Yep. So of course, I'm a psychotherapist. So I am mostly experienced with the way that you adapt the body psychotherapy methods specifically for the talk therapy situation, Mm -hmm. but can be used in so many ways. And that's kind of the beauty of it is that then we can talk about these tools that we can all be using. Right. right. Making it accessible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then can you talk a little bit about what the psychodynamic therapy is? 
or what psychodynamic means. Yes. So let's call it the psychodynamic broadly, all the different uh, schools that came originally from psychoanalysis. So when we say psychoanalysis, usually we think, well, that goes all the way back to Freud. And that was where it started. But so much has happened since Freud. And there's been this long evolution. It's a huge field where modern psychoanalysis today is completely different. What's actually interesting, this is going to get a little theoretical geeky here, but it's one of my most- Let's do it. Yeah. Favorite topic. So the way that psychoanalysis evolved from like over the last, you know, we're talking 100 years, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Feminism has actually been, as we know, as a big field, you know, as philosophy, research, activism, political too. Feminism and psychoanalysis, they have a very interesting relationship. There's a famous analyst, Juliet Mitchell, who said that they are two forms of thinking that need each other. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the question of the perinatal period, the maternal transition, parental transition, matrescence, as we call it today. This relationship between feminism and psychoanalysis is very, very interesting because feminism has really challenged psychoanalysis by pointing out like all the blind spots actually mm-hmm. and the flaws and the, Some the, of the limitations. Patriarchal yeah. And because the original classic psychoanalysis was of its time, it was actually useful for understanding mm-hmm. the patriarchal structures, right? Mm-hmm. But in those ongoing feminist critiques, critiques of psychoanalysis, we actually were able to really expand and evolve. And then we also since then had a lot, all of our research around infant development and attachment and neuroscience and all of that, which we've seen this like massive growth of over the last like 50 years. Mm-hmm. We have really been able to, there's been this evolution in psychoanalysis, we call it also the relational turn. Mm-hmm. And that is so valuable for when we're talking about understanding the psychology, mothering, all parenting, and Mm -hmm. certainly mothering. uh, I mean, all the big philosophical questions of gender and the body and how do we understand family, how you come into being as a person. Mm -hmm. It's right there in the relationship between psychoanalysis and feminism. So I found that so helpful for for my work. So the psychodynamic here I'm drawing on is these schools of like the feminist engagements with psychoanalysis that develop to really say, hey, what about the mother's perspective? Because that is crucial to understanding what's going on for the child. But it's also important just in its in and of itself, not just for the sake of the child to look at. And for our perspective in perinatal mental health, mm-hmm. it's like, of course, because that's where we're coming from about the importance of the mother's and the parent's perspective. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food. Like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. 
And ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. So the in the book and in your work, you're joining together and in intersecting the, the somatic work with the psychodynamic work and pulling together the whole system, understanding what's happening in the moment physically in somatic therapies. And then also, I guess, kind of what's behind the scenes, <laughs> what's pulling on people and impacting in their process. So in your book, you're also talking about trauma and, you know, in the perinatal period, there's there's a lot of different ways people can experience trauma. Can you talk a little bit about trauma in the perinatal period in particular and some of the stuff you address in the book? Yeah, the question of trauma is important. And it's also really tricky because it's a lot of things, right? This term trauma is really so limiting because we're talking about so many things when we're talking about trauma. And specifically for the perinatal period, there's a lot going on there. So the trauma is important because, you know, as we talk about the biopsychosocial model, we need to look at trauma from all those perspectives. And what we know about the perinatal period is that it's this unique time for growth and transformation. And it's also a time of vulnerability. It's very vulnerable and it's particularly vulnerable to trauma. And we know that from all the biomedical research that the way that trauma and traumatic stress impacts our bodies in very delicate ways, that poses, there's this vulnerability of the perinatal transition that is connected to that. And we also know that the stressors on a social level, uh, we're also more at risk for traumatic stress and psychologically too for the individual. So when I was working on like trying to get a sense of like, how do we define trauma? Well, first of all, the trauma research has, this is a known challenge. It's been so dominated by the research on PTSD. Mm -hmm. And while the research on PTSD is really important, and there's been a lot of great research done, the problem is that PTSD is just one particular form of trauma, one particular presentation. And trauma presents in many different ways. And especially in the perinatal period, trauma will present in a lot of very complicated, subtle ways. So it is something we're dealing with, like that the whole literature and way that the research has been developed has been very kind of formed by the whole perspective of PTSD. It's only recently in history we're starting to challenge that. So we have to kind of um, make our understanding of trauma more flexible and widen right. it. But I was thinking I could actually just read. I came with a, a definition of perinatal trauma. Now, you know, trauma is wide and there could be lots of definitions of that too. And I work yes. a lot with the somatic definition, of course, mm -hmm. but I wanted to just talk about how I see perinatal trauma because mm -hmm. I see it as the trauma reactions in response to the stressors that occur during the perinatal transition, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. And these factors, they interact 
with the individual parent's biopsychosocial history, the mm -hmm. physiological adaptations of reproduction, the medical interventions, iatrogenic effects, that's the effects coming from getting treatment, kind mm -hmm. of side effects, if you will, and the subjective experiences of becoming a parent and the systemic and cultural context that the parent is embedded in. Yeah. And these interacting factors can each be an individual source of trauma right. and they can exacerbate each other's impact, which is mm -hmm. what we often see. Right. It's not so, just one singular thing that happens in a vacuum that's not either impacted or affected by other things that are also happening. Yeah. So that means that we really have to broaden our concept of trauma here. Mm -hmm. The kind of classic PTSD model is not adequate. It, there, it's just too limited if we're going to understand perinatal trauma fully. The way that trauma manifests, we also know it can manifest in a lot of very different ways compared to other times in life mm -hmm. uh, in the perinatal period mm -hmm. because of obviously what's going on. You are maybe going through, you know, pregnancy, maybe you're going through fertility treatment, pregnancy, delivery, or also in the case of adoption, in the postpartum, you have a baby, like the way you react to a trauma is going to be completely different when you're in those uh, circumstances. Right. Also, you know, now we're starting to understand trauma broadly from a developmental perspective. A lot of people know the term complex PTSD, right, or developmental trauma. So we also know that's huge in the perinatal transition because, mm -hmm. you know, your whole developmental history is, is going to be activated in different ways in the perinatal transition. Yeah, people are not expecting that, not at all. But it is so frequent, so common. And I think like just being sort of confronted or that being brought up can be its own now new factor that you have to deal with. The surprise of dealing with stuff you forgot about or set aside or pushed down or whatever from your own history. Now you have to deal with that too. That is so overwhelming for people. It is very overwhelming. And some people like they just don't expect it at all. Of course not. They've been so they're, they're I mean, people are living in the here and now. They're not mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, the past, right? They're living in the here and now. They're having a yep. baby. They're on right. that, right? And then it can come up. But I think even those people who are, you know, have some awareness and think, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, maybe have, you know, now having a baby can it maybe bring up stuff. But the thing is, I think no matter how much you think of that, I don't think you can ever be prepared because you don't know. It's you can't prepare for something like that. You don't mm -hmm. know how it's going to impact you. No. It is really venturing into this unknown, mm -hmm. having a baby. And it's like going out into this like big landscape and you have no roadmap and right. you don't know anything what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But again, this is also where the trauma is unique here because the trauma, for example, of having, you know, it could be childhood stuff coming up, attachment trauma or traumatic events in childhood come up when you have a baby. The thing is that's hard and it's a vulnerability, right? And it's a strain. At the same time, we're also seeing that transition into motherhood can be an opportunity to heal through that trauma in yep. ways that was just not accessible before you had a baby. Yeah. And there, I for sure also hear, you know, people say things like, well, I had therapy. I, I kind of thought I dealt with that. I thought I was done. And then the new context brings up maybe a new perspective or a new part of stuff you've already dealt with that comes up for the opportunity for healing. Yeah. And I love the both the somatic approach and also the psychodynamic approach. There's a lot of like the strength-based uh, thinking in it of looking at, yes, it's going to be very hard, this strain on your mind 
understand your body and your nervous system and everything. But it is also, this is like, I kind of tongue in cheek call it the upgrade, the nervous system mm-hmm. upgrade, <laughs> nice. because it's such an overwhelm, but it's also a way like your nervous system is going to stretch. Mm-hmm. Your psyche is going to stretch open. And in that, there's this opportunity for reworking. And a lot of people will can resonate with, yeah, of course, the reworking of relationships and your role and identity. And then the somatic comes in and say, yeah, you're reworking all of that. What is that concretely? Mm-hmm. That's also reworking your relationship to your body, mm-hmm. your whole, mm-hmm. you know, the way your personality of your self-regulation is. How do you move in your body? Right. How do you regulate yourself? How do you yeah. experience sensations? Mm-hmm. In your body, all that is also going to be completely reworked that where the somatic body psychotherapy tools are really helpful for that because it's all about going in and supporting that because it can feel like a complete relearning, right? Like, oh, yeah. And it can feel like you're sometimes starting from scratch, right. even though I, I think it's important. We always think about like, no, you're, you're not starting from scratch. It mm-hmm. can feel like that, mm-hmm. but you're not because a, a really important part of the philosophy of the somatic approach, the somatic experiencing is that we say that you have all the capacities you need to heal mm-hmm. from trauma mm-hmm. and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Right, you have what it takes. Like you have it in your body. It's a matter of you being supported to right. safety in the, a safe relational connection where you are helped gui- to be. You know, you're guided mm-hmm. to practice your sensory awareness so that the overwhelm from, for example, traumatic experiences can be worked through and renegotiated. Right. So whether that's like a chronic tendency to be very anxious because your whole nervous system is like is hypersensitive in that way right. due right. to developmental factors and mm-hmm. also, you know, some inborn factors. Or if it's like there was particular traumatic events, like a difficult delivery or the fertility treatment or what have you, that was like very shock, like shock events right, right, right. Yep. that will, you know, have shock events that have created a lot of charge, then you can work through that to, you know, discharge some of that and help to build up your your ways of coping with that, some of that. So you can release that charge and come down in your nervous system. So, I mean, these are some of the ways it's really important to focus on the nervous system in the perinatal period. And like for somebody who's, I guess, just hearing about this for the first time or what would you say? I'm trying to think of like, I'm thinking of the mom out there who's listening, who's like, this sounds great. And I want that. And what would happen in like, or even in, in the book, like, what are you sharing with people that helps the nervous system, I guess, re- regulate? Yeah. So yeah, there's some important principles to consider first. And so first of all, in that context of the new mom and the perinatal period is that we're so busy, right, with the baby and taking care of someone else's needs. So we are so attuned to the baby's need, right? We're so feeling into it all the time, right? Of course. And so for a lot of people, just that shift in perspective of saying, well, we should also really be looking at what you 
are feeling in your body in the mm-hmm. day-to-day. Mm-hmm. For some, it can feel like almost like wrong. Like, am I supposed to be paying attention to that? Like right. there's this natural way we kind of, we forget our bodies, we forget ourselves because mm-hmm. it's all about the baby. And that's mm-hmm. that, you know, the survival instinct, right? That's the survival p- sure. impulse that is mm-hmm. so strong, right? It's mm-hmm. all about the baby. So even just pr- starting to practice that for some can actually be a big shift where we're starting to say, well, how you are feeling in your body, your sensations are important and to practice tuning in into that. And I also see a lot of that being talked about, mm-hmm. about mother's needs. I mean, we've been talking about this for years, right? Mother's mm-hmm. needs matter. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about our needs, what I like about the somatic approach is that it really concretizes things. So instead of talking about it in a more abstract way, like, oh, I have needs for like feeling fulfilled or have my mm-hmm. social relationships mm-hmm. or not be so bored or, you know, feel balanced or it can be a little abstract. And then this ideas of like, oh, it would be nice if I could, you know, get a massage or something. And those things are, of course, nice. Yeah. But all the nice things you can do, I mean, all of it need for it to really, really make a big radical different. It needs to, there needs to be this basis of in your day to day, what you are experiencing, your, we call it sensory awareness. Mm-hmm. That is the cornerstone. That's what we start with. So that's what I work with, with people. And that's what we talk about. The sensory awareness, which is your awareness of sensations, but it's also more than that. It is your awareness of sensations and the way you're making use of your sensations Mm -hmm. as information Mm -hmm. to do the things you need to do to regulate yourself mm-hmm. and to also not just on your own, because regulation is not just happening in isolation, but to do then know how to then be in your relationships where you get support through co-regulation. Right. right? It's an important part here so that it's not all on the mom or the parent to just regulate yes. themselves, right? right. Yeah. Because regulation is something that is happening in relationships. So it's very concrete. Like, what? how do you go about your day? How are you tracking your sensations? How are you able to impact how you're experiencing sensations, like to up right. and down, right. uh, turn up and down the volume. I like this analogy. It's a little cheesy, but I love it. The analogy of surfing is that, you know, the waves are just going to come at you and you cannot control the waves, right? Just like mm. the nervous system sensations, things mm-hmm. are just happening. It's like the weather, you can't control it. Things are happening outside of you that you don't have control over. But what you can learn is that you can learn to surf the waves, Right. You can learn to when there's a big wave coming of like overwhelm or anger, frustration or something, you can learn to kind of ride that wave, get up on it and ride it and come down with it Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And I like the analogy because although I don't surf myself, I know that surfing is really hard. It's a really hard skill. And this is really hard, especially in the perinatal period. It is really, really hard, but it is possible. Yes. Right. So it's all about practicing that. And so that's the goal, right? Is that we get to a place where we can really ride those waves and have that capacity to contain all the new sensations and emotions and the way they manifest in our bodies. That's fantastic. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. 
but they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells. And the one skin scientist found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high-quality traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. I really do love that analogy as well, because, right, I mean, those waves are powerful. Uh, Mother Nature is no joke. And being able to know that you yourself can have a different relationship to that overwhelm and overstimulation is a really powerful tool, really powerful, because it helps people feel like they're not just being thrown around by, by everything. And then, yeah, so that's kind of where we start with, right? With the sensory awareness and building our relationship to sensation and our embodiment. But I just, I wanted to right away say, well, we don't just stop there. There's more. And and because when we have really worked on that, and by the way, slowing down is a big part of that, you know, because when we slow down, mm-hmm. that's a big part of being able to track your sensations. And so I know slowing down is really hard <laughs> in the perinatal period. It's really hard. It's like, it feels impossible. And yet it can make a difference when we practice it as much as we can. But when we practice all of these regulation skills for this context of the perinatal period, it's not just about saying, oh, well, if you can get really regulated, that's great and you'll be fine. Because this is a time where you are going through a massive transformation of your identity, your mm-hmm. life, your relationships, mm-hmm. your roles. And that means that, you know, the, who you are is also how you move around in the world in your body. And if you are a new mother or coming into motherhood, that means that being a mother is embedded in how you move around in the world. So, and this is where I draw on a concept developed by Christine Caldwell. She talks about body fullness. So think of mindfulness, but the somatic version of it, the somatic Mm -hmm. cousin to it, where Mm -hmm. it's not just about mindfulness on like a, a mind level. It's about on a very concrete, physical, somatic level and being very reflective about what's happening in your body, like I talked about with sensory awareness. Mm -hmm. So when I was studying this concept, I was like, well, this is like 
has to be applied like specifically for what it means to be a mom. So Mm -hmm. maternal bodyfulness. So maternal bodyfulness is a term I like because or I like to use it to capture this process of coming into your new self as a mother in a very embodied way. Mm -hmm. And what that means is also that you're not seeing your mothering as this like chore or performance or something you're doing because there's this like objective truth about the correct way of mothering, Uh right? We know mothering is not like that. It is Mm -hmm. deeply individual and personal. And in that specific context of you and your relationships and your cultural context and the conditions you're mothering under. And mothering in that way, becomes a embodied expression of who you are, right? We all mother in different ways. And I want to really emphasize that that's not just an abstract thing we do. It's a very embodied, physical, felt, Mm -hmm. sensory thing. Mm -hmm. So when we can experience all that journey of like, oh, and how am I doing? And I, what works for me? What kind of feeding works for me? What kind of holding? How much holding compared to also my child? And what are they like? And really navigating all of that. And we know that's like a big journey. Yeah. That is a process of really expressing yourself mm-hmm. in your new reality as a, mm-hmm. a maternal embodied person. By the way, I also want to mention that I'm very focused on maternal bodyfulness. I really see that this is like a way of thinking that can be taken in many directions. Paternal bodyfulness, parental bodyfulness, like any thinkable, more, you could even go more specific, like maternal bodyfulness specific to, you know, other identities or circumstances you're mothering under. Mm-hmm. And I would invite anyone to take it in those directions and, you know, play with it and work with it. But it's just like, it's just important to bring that piece into it because yeah. that's what's so unique about the somatic aspects of the perinatal transition. I'm curious for oftentimes for people who have had trauma during the perinatal period that is maybe more focused on a physical trauma, not that it's not impacting a mental toll focused, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. There's can be a lot of avoidance. People, I think very naturally want to protect themselves and avoid being in touch with anything that feels like too close physically, even to the trauma that they experienced. So how can, I guess for somebody who's feeling like, oh gosh, I need that kind of help, but it's also a little scary to think about being in touch with that. How does trauma healing happen? What what can that look like? Yeah. And I'm happy you bring that up because it's a very common and it's also very understandable, mm-hmm. which is the first part there is that we need to really talk about it and acknowledge it fully how it's understandable that there's this avoidance if Mm -hmm. the body or the bodily does not feel safe there's a reason for it right because there was too much overwhelm and we want to avoid that as a way of surviving and coping and i think there's a wisdom to that kind of coping because you're when you're needing to deal with everyday life of parenting it's like you have to find a way to compartmentalize and function and then we have to offer this hope right Mm -hmm. there is a hope for that so even if it feels impossible even if it feels like oh i'm never gonna be one of those people who's gonna be like doing somatic meditation and feel in touch with my body never that's like (laughs) oh i don't even want to go there like we need to offer hope Like it is possible. It can feel impossible, but it is possible. I I see it all the time in my work, which is amazing. People who have, you know, felt like they could never practice getting in touch with their sensations in their body go through amazing healing processes. Mm -hmm. It is possible. Well, you need 
safety, right? That's the number yeah. one thing. You need to work with someone where you feel that relational safety mm -hmm. because you're not going to start to progress if you don't have that. So that's the number one thing is that there is safety, relational safety. Also, you can't do it on your own. You know, that's not possible to just sit on your own and on your own, do some somatic meditation, and then you'll find, get a good relationship to your body, right? No, you, you didn't, there needs to be a very strong relationship where you feel safe and, and mm -hmm. can be guided in that, mm -hmm. right? That's why there is all these, you know, body psychotherapies modalities, right. because the, right. rela the therapeutic relationship is huge there. Mm -hmm. And the, the key is also there to really go slow. So it's not about setting these unrealistic expectations of going from someone who's like usually not really in touch with their body because it's just too hard. It, they don't want it. It's too, feels unsafe to then suddenly going all the way to being someone who's super in touch with their bodies. That's unrealistic. The idea is that some of that charge of like, oh, my sensations, I don't want to go there, is that that is lessened. Mm -hmm. So we often want to work much more on just neutrality. What does yeah. it mean to come to a place of feeling a bit more neutral in sensations and about your associations with your sensations. Mm -hmm. A lot of that kind of avoidance or fear about sensations is about these where you associate any sensation in a negative, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because there is the way that like the body-mind connection is there's such an overly focus on interpreting sensations in mm -hmm. a negative light. Like mm -hmm. sensations, mm -hmm. ah, bad, pretty much all sensations always about negative emotions. That's about negative relational interactions. Don't even want to go there. Nothing good about it. That needs to be completely relearned where we need to learn to trust sensations. Mm -hmm. And that starts with really baby steps right. of trusting sensations in the tiniest, tiniest, like really, really, really. I work on like the tiniest level of like, can you trust that there's too much light coming in the window? So I'm closing my eyes mm -hmm. and I'm trusting this feeling of like, I can do that. I did that. And then, mm -hmm. ah, that mm -hmm. was nice. I shielded myself from the light or like it's cold. I put on a shirt like it seems so simple and like almost silly. But this is what we're starting from. Right. That's the building blocks. Yeah. I mean, it's not silly. I think there are so many ways in which people aren't even aware how they force themselves to overlook things like that or like whatever. It's bright. I'm just going to tough it out or it's cold and I can get through it because maybe they had to learn how to override that or look past it or diminish their experience in some way to cope in the past. But I mean, that piece of safety that you're describing is is so important because maybe for whatever reason, they learned that they couldn't just put on a jacket or take care of themselves um, in that way. And although it might seem small, like you're saying, as an example, the ramifications for just that way of learning how to cope could be impacting so many other ways that you diminish your own experience. I do think it's, you're getting to some of the maybe nuanced or more root experiences by attending to some of these things that feel or seem benign. Yeah. Well, it's all about, we have to dig deep, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, this work, it's about digging deep. And I think, you know, there's also something about all those things about learning. If you, you know, in your developmental, uh, you know, your upbringing, what was available, what was the kind of support you got or didn't get? That is the foundation of how we feel at home in our bodies and mm -hmm. how we can feel a secure relationship, a, a secure attachment to our bodies. Mm -hmm. So if we didn't have that and if we have some wounds in that 
from our childhood in all the different constellations it comes it's so hard to be a mom and a parent because mm. you're having to uh, to provide that for your child i talk in the book about you know we can have you know a traumatized body self if you have severe trauma right or gone through trauma or a wounded body self and it is so hard to mother from a wounded body self. It can feel like the hardest thing you've ever done. Mm -hmm. And I just really want to emphasize and repeat again and again, this message of hope that it is possible to heal that. It's not easy at all. Not at all. It's a lot of work in all the aspects of your life, not just like therapy sessions. It's about all the ways, you know, you're getting your social support, the way you're setting up your life, you know, your work-life balance, how, whatever your options are for that, you know, your spiritual well-being, all of these things, your physical health and all that, the way all of these combine, you know, are that's your healing process. And especially those really safe relationships, therapeutic relationships, right. where you can restore and heal through that sense of self in your body and it is possible to then come into a healed sense of self your maternal bodyfulness and sometimes it's gonna take a while because also remember this is happening in this context where that perinatal journey wherever you are in it it's happening it's not Mm -hmm. stopping (laughs) right you know and it's happening wherever you are in like fertility pregnancies children coming postpartum and then suddenly oh the kid is the one and then my second is one and then the firstborn is three and four Mm -hmm. and that's the timeline and just the one thing i also want to mention about the unique thing about trauma and the perinatal is that your trauma healing process and your journey of coming into your motherhood are going to just be so intertwined, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that they can be separated, which is Mm -hmm. heavy, but there's also beauty in that. No, absolutely. It's a massive time of growth that can really just enrich your life in ways it couldn't have expected, especially if you get healing along the way. I love this conversation and we could talk about this for a long time. There's so much in here. And I know you put a lot of it into a book so that people can learn and know about these, this modality and let people know where they can find more about you and the book. I um, I have my website, my name, helenavising.com, where I you can read about my work. I'm also on Instagram, also my name, Helena Vising, where I post about my work. So yeah, those are the, the main ways to get in touch with me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for writing this book and sharing this with us. Obviously, you know so much about this and you put a lot of time and effort and energy and heart into the book. And I really hope people go get it and learn more and check it out and also reach out to you. People check out your website and learn more about your work. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Again, to learn more from Helena, go to helenavissing.com and on Instagram, Helena Vissing. We can learn more about her work and also find her new book. And if you are somebody out there who's trying to understand what is going on for you during this perinatal period, and you need just a little bit of education and a little bit of support to get through until you meet with a therapist, go to my website, wellmindperinatal.com slash courses and look into those courses. See if there's something there for you that can help you on your journey. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. 
Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.